Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Whereas we gather here this morning, we're going to wrap up our series for the Easter season called Hope, where we've explored what it means to live in hope, to live in the hope that we have in our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. So we do that this morning, I'm just going to start with a question to kind of get you thinking a little bit, make sure, especially if you're here in person, that you're awake. Are you awake? Yeah. All right, and if you're live stream, that you're awake as well. And the question is this, what is your most memorable goodbye? Think about that for just a moment. The times that you've said goodbye, and sometimes those memorable goodbyes, they're, they're happy, they're joyful. Sometimes they are tearful and they are painful, but we all have those moments when we say goodbye. And maybe you have more than one of those moments. And I can think of a number of moments that kind of came to my mind when I first thought about those goodbyes that I've said. One of those goodbyes is when I left home to go away to college. How many of you have done that before? You know, you leave home and go to college. Now, some of you, when you left home, you didn't go very far. You went to UNL, you lived in Lincoln. You lived on campus. You know, I left Phoenix on the hottest, driest summer ever, where we had a, like a week where it never got below 100 degrees, and I went to Portland, Oregon to go to college, and it was the wettest fall on record, from sun, dry heat, to wet, all the time. But, you know, I remember saying the goodbyes, because I remember kind of with my dad especially, because we weren't like hugging or, you know, hands, and I just kind of like, how do... I think I finally shook my hand, we shook hands, and said goodbye. It was a memorable goodbye. I remember that. I also remember, you know, going off to seminary, and when we graduated, because some of these classmates, you know, we had really lived and breathed life together. Some of them were also classmates from Portland, Oregon as well. So we've been together for a number of years. And those goodbyes as we wrapped up our schooling, and some of you know that, what that's like as well, and you say goodbye to your classmates. Some of them you may see again. Some of you realize you may never see them again. But also, too, because school was all that I had known. I had been in school since kindergarten. I had nine years of college, you know, four years, five years of undergraduate, four years of graduate work. And then suddenly, you know, I was going into the real world. That's scary and exciting. Those, those are goodbyes. You know, when I said goodbyes to the congregations, you know, the first two congregations I served to the congregation in Omaha that I served, I remember those goodbyes because it's both joyful as you look forward to where you're going, but it's also tearful as you say goodbye to those people that you've spent your life with. Those goodbyes, memorable goodbyes, you know, every time that I've gone to Poland, there's a time to say goodbye. There's a time of saying goodbye to the congregation while I'm away for a few weeks, goodbye to my wife while I'm gone for two weeks. But even especially that first time of saying goodbye, when the bus came and we all got on the bus, and some of you have gone to Poland before, so you kind of know what those goodbyes are like. But the first time especially, because I'm not usually a tearful guy. Just don't shed tears. It's just not a guy thing. It's just not a James thing. And when I got on the bus and I looked, and there were my classmates, and they had these sad, drippy, wet eyes, and I looked, and I'm like, oh. And then I got out of the bus and went over to say goodbye, to, and that was, nah, it was not easy. And the no crying James became the crying James. And get on the bus, you're like, <laughs> oh, this is sad. 
And it hasn't gotten much easier each time that I've gone. And there's the goodbyes even, too, as you talk about, you know, when we go away to college, there's also the goodbye when you are a parent and you move towards becoming empty nesters. You send your kids off to college, off into their own life. And while it's exciting, it's also a time of goodbye. And there's those goodbyes, whether they're happy goodbyes or tearful goodbyes or kind of a combination of both. That's what we come to at this moment here as what we call the Great Commission. Those words from Matthew 16, or Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. And Jesus is telling his disciples goodbye. Now, as we do that, let's kind of go back on our series. We started the series again on Easter Sunday. And we talked about how the resurrection really shapes our lives. It shapes our lives in knowing that we have a Savior that goes with us every moment of our lives. We also talked about a guy that, while it's not a title that's in the Bible, it's a title historically that he's been given. Thomas, we call him Doubting Thomas. And we talked about doubts. And we said, you know, your doubts do not define you. The risen Savior does. And they talked about one of the other encounters the risen Savior had with his disciples. It was after they'd gone fishing. They were many, many of them were fishermen. And as they'd gone fishing, you know, Peter was out there. And there's this guy on the shore, and he says, let down your nets. And they kind of catch a big bunch of fish. Peter realizes it's Jesus, jumps in, swims over there. And Jesus again says to him three times, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And he's like, I love you. I love you. I love you. And it's so easy for us to think that our failures define us. I'm sure that's the way Peter felt. But the truth we learn from that is failure does not define you. The victorious Savior does. Now we come to this great commission. Now, if you're following the church calendar, the historic church calendar, this doesn't happen for a few more weeks. So we've jumped ahead of schedule just a little bit. But we're going to wrap this Easter series up here in the month of April. That Jesus is gathered with his followers. Now, one of the things to kind of highlight for you a couple of facts about the Great Commission. Well, this happens 40 days after Jesus' resurrection. For 40 days, Jesus showed himself as the risen Savior. Many people, not just the disciples, locked away in the upper room or fishing, you know, on the shores of Galilee. But Jesus showed himself to many people that he truly was risen. And 40 days after, that's why Easter is 40 days for us this, in the liturgical calendar. 40 days after that, he gathers his followers there on this mountainside. And he's preparing to give them his goodbye. Now, we call this a great commission. Now, did you know that in the Bible it's not called the great commission? There's like doubting Thomas is not doubting Thomas. It's not called the great commission. It's just the words of Jesus, but it's a historical marker that we as, as the Christians have placed on these words. This Jesus saying goodbye and sending us out as his followers. And it's given not just to those who are gathered there, but it's given to the church. The church from that point forward is given to the church, so it's given to you and I, all of us who are gathered here today, whether we're live stream, whether we're in person, whether we're watching later on YouTube or listening on the podcast, that is something that is given to us. It's something that shapes who we are. This is also the first time in the Bible that we have all three members of the Trinity actually mentioned. I mean, we see images of that, like at Jesus' baptism, there is the Son because Jesus is there. And the spirit descends like a dove, and the sky is open. We hear the voice of the Father from heaven say, This is my beloved Son, whom I love. Listen to him. 
So this is the first time we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is also on this great commission that this flows from Jesus' authority. Because he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And by the way, that's probably not the best translation. The translation that, that Dale read for us says, as you go. And that really, that's really what Jesus meant. That as we go about life. It's not as you go that you have to be that missionary that's overseas there somewhere you don't have to go overseas to be part of the Great Commission, to be part of what Jesus calls us and invites us to be a part of and following him. In fact, we're in the middle now of a strategic planning process here at Holy Savior. We met once, and we've got three more times we're going to meet together. We're going to put some strategic you know, um, plans together, some strategies of what it means for us to live this out for the next number of years at Holy Savior. Because the way that they did it there, in some ways we do the same thing here, but also it's different because it's now different now than it was then. But as you go, as you go about life. So let's talk really quick. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Because it says, as you go, make disciples. What is a disciple? Now, if you're closer, you know, and we were gathered all inside without COVID kind of things going on, I'd ask that and give you a chance to shout out. I don't know, what would you say? What, what is the disciple? You know, and so often we think about disciples, we either think about, I think, our, our doing the things, or we think about a process. For sometimes we think about being a disciple is a process. If I just go through these classes, three years, you know, I can memorize some things, I get confirmed, I get to stand in the white robe, get some pictures taken, and then I graduate from church, I graduate from being a disciple of Jesus, I'm done. We sometimes have that mindset. Oh, when we bring folks in, we, we go through a plan, and we check the box of what it means to be a disciple. If I just do this, or if I just do that, then I'm a disciple of Jesus. But being a disciple of Jesus is not de defined by what we do. Being a disciple of Jesus is not defined by what we do. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't do things as disciples of Jesus, as his followers. But being a disciple of Jesus is not defined by what we do, but who we follow. And who do we follow? If you live stream, you can type it out. If you're in person, I hope you shout it out. Who do we follow? Jesus. Jesus. Okay, good. I just make sure you're alive and you're awake and not too cold. You know, we, we follow Jesus, and we follow not just Jesus. We follow the risen Savior, Jesus. The Jesus who does not define us by our doubts or by our failures but by his grace, by his love, and his mercy. Being a disciple of Jesus is not defined by what you do, because what we do, so often what we do is just not what we well, should do or would do in following Jesus. That's why in just a few moments, you know, we're going to have an opportunity to confess our sins, to say, you know, I've not acted like I'm one who follows you, Jesus. Because with my words and my thoughts and my actions, I haven't lived this way. I, I haven't lived it. These words that you spoke, they, they speak to me too. We haven't said this for a while, but you know what? We've said this before. You know, where is the mission field? The mission field is right under your feet. So as we go, as we go about daily life, as we go about each and every day, this is a living relationship that we have with a living Savior. And so these letters to the church, the epistles, and we studied that the last two weeks in our confirmation class, 
we talked about how this is not so much about rules to follow, but about living in a relationship with Jesus and living in a relationship to one another and really living in a relationship to the world. Being a disciple is about who we follow. It's about the relationship that we have with our living Savior Jesus, the relationship that we have with one another as we share that love, that grace, and that mercy. And as we live in relationship to this world, this community in which God has placed us, and living and sharing the love, the grace, and mercy that is ours in Jesus Christ. That is ours not because of what we have done, not because of how obedient of a disciple we are, but in spite of how disobedient we are. For the many times that we have failed and the many times we have doubted, our Savior continues to love us. And he calls us to share that love with one another and to take that love and share it out into our community. That's part of what we did, our strategic plan from about six years ago. You know, we started with one school, Goodrich Middle School, and began doing that with Goodrich, which from there blossomed to a relationship connection with Belmont, which from there to Dawes Elementary. One of the ways we bring that love out into our community and world. So we worked in welcoming refugees. It's one of the ways that we bring that love, that grace, and that mercy out into our community and world as we continue to pray for and encourage one another and support one another through lives ups and downs is one of the ways we bring and share that love here with one another. And then as we gather here, we're reminded once again that our Savior, our living, risen Savior, is a God who loves us a God who invites us to follow him as one of his disciples. And to live as a disciple is to live in relationship with him. Because again, it's not about what we do. It's about who we follow. We follow Jesus, the risen Savior. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time.